Virtual Manager presents the How Did We Get Here podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the How Did We Get Here podcast. part two of our interview with the former Australian cricketer Greg Ritchie. Now in the first part, Chairman of Virtual Manager Anil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham, CEO Tony Morocco and I chatted to Greg about his journey in his sporting and broadcast career. In this second half, Greg tells us about his business ventures since and his ambassadorial roles within a variety of companies. These guys have a wonderful product. I fulfilled a role as an ambassador. I was able to open doors like we talked about before with big organisations here in Australia like Woolworths and Coles, retail outlets like IGA, and thus my role as an ambassador is going extremely well with those guys. Not only do we hear from Greg on that, but we also get his expert thoughts ahead of the forthcoming Ashes series and does a wonderful job of assisting Tony on his understanding of cricket via baseball. It's part two of the Greg Ritchie interview. I'm Charles Dagnall and this is the How Did We Get Here podcast. Welcome along to the How Did We Get Here podcast. Now, last time we left the interview with Greg Ritchie, who was telling us about his broadcast career in cricket and in golf. Chairman of Virtual Manager Anil Patel picks things up. Before I hand over to the boys, what one question into now more your recent ventures you're involved would be uh, interesting to learn how, because they're quite diverse, you know, yeah. obviously very different to sport yeah. and cricket. I mean, there is relations, but how did you get into some of those ventures? Well, Anil, Dags talked about it earlier on. Doors open. I think for sports people, over the course of their careers, there are a lot of big fish float by. And you're the hunter, you're looking to snare one of these big fish. They're, they're floating by all the time. Some people sit there with their head down and are focusing on other things and don't see these big fish come. Over the course of the last 10, 15 years, I have been approached by a number of companies, a food organisation owned by three gentlemen who are a part of a cricket club where I was a guest speaker who heard me speak and thought, oh, he might be a reasonable fit as an ambassador for our organisation. The company is called Fast Fuel Meals. It's a ready-made product, which is a fast-growing sector here in Australia. I know it is in the United States, and I know it is in England as well. So it's a ready-made meal, a lot of competition. These guys have had have a wonderful product. I fulfilled a role as an ambassador. I was able to open doors, like we talked about before, with big organisations here in Australia like Woolworths and Coles, retail outlets like IGA, And thus, my role as an ambassador is going extremely well with those guys. I'm involved in a a health clinic, a weight loss clinic called LifeShape, which is the only medically supervised weight loss center in the country. It has an enormous amount of success with firstly weight loss, but 
with curing people with type 2 diabetes, with people with other ailments, through a medically supervised program which changes people's life. I myself have battled my weight all my life. I have, uh, and Neil will tell you, he has seen the photos. I got up to a, a pretty big 138 kilos. I'm not too <laughs> sure what that is in pounds, Tony, but it's... I'll look at that. I'll look that up. I think it's 2.2. <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty big. And I, I, I managed to lose uh, 40 uh, kilos over an 18-month, uh, two-year two period. It's still a battle, but I fulfill a role as an ambassador for that company as well, and I assist in the sales process for them. And I'm not trying to put a big note here, but my favourite role is as an ambassador for a Sydney-based company called Teed Up Travel, T-E-E-D, a hyphen U-P, Travel. And I've been extremely fortunate in the last... 10 years to escort tours on their behalf around about a time they call the first week in April. And it's a special time in a place called Georgia that Tony's aware of. And they play a little tournament called the Masters. And I, I've been seeing, oh, yeah. I saw your shirts when, it, when the oh, camera yeah. came on. I oh, saw yeah. your shirt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I'm actually playing this afternoon. I love this show. So I, I've been fortunate to be an ambassador role with Teed Up, and uh, over the years I've had some wonderful experiences to Augusta. I've been there 12 times. Wow. I missed out on Tiger's uh, victory because of a few issues. Obviously, the last two years we haven't been. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to Anil this morning, uh, 2023. I just received information from them yesterday in the discussion. They are confident that we will take another group from Australia in 2023. So teed up is my favourite job in the world. I also I take a group to the British Open. The last time we went to one of those was two years ago when Shane Lowry won the Open in front of an Irish crowd. Apart from Spieth's victory at Augusta, in line with that and Adam Scott's victory in 2013, it was the most emotional crowd moment I've ever seen as Lowry walked down the 18th in front of that Irish crowd when he gave it the hands in the mm. air that you could have heard a pin drop as the ball was coming into the green. He led by four. I mean, I was confident he wasn't going to make it eight, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd heard an interview by him. He says oh, it could have happened, but when he saw the ball on the green, the emotion just bled from him, for want of a better term and his caddy, and the Irish were crying in the stands. It was amazing. So we do that, a little bit of teed up travel. They take tours to Monaco and all, all the rest of it, which I host. It's a bloody tough job, uh, but uh, I... Excuse my friend. It's, so, and I'm not trying to... I, I've been very fortunate in my life to have offers, those fish go by and have offers from people, but uh, look... I unapologetically say I'm very proud of the job I have been able to do for these uh, companies. It's something I take very seriously. So, yeah, it's great fun. But as Anil alluded to before, you know, a sport teaches you all of the principles that you need in business. And I, I always remind Anil, when things are tough and decisions in business don't go your way, you've got to think back to tough times in cricket 
and this wonderful photograph that people can't see. I know you don't mention photographs on radio, but in Anil's office, there's this magnificent photograph of the pavilion at Lords. In 1985, we were in a terrible situation at Lords, Australia, having lost the first test at Headingley in a five-test series. We were four for 27 when Border and Richie uh, got together at the crease and we set a partnership record for the fourth wicket that stood up until a couple of years ago. I think Gilchrist and someone smashed it, but Border made 194, 197, I made 94, and put us into a winning position. I must admit at four for 27, walking out onto that ground, I did not believe we could have done it, but we did it ball by ball, over by over, without being too cliched. And once we got going, we just stuck to the fundamentals that we had learnt in the game of cricket, stuck to the rules and were disciplined in, in what we did, and you reap the rewards. The same principle applies in business, as you guys would know a lot more than me, a lot of very successful business people. You know what needs to be done to make businesses successful. Successful people, in my mind, do the things, those little extra things, that those less successful just won't do. That was a great message that was taught to me. You guys, I heard you talking about early on, getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning, making sacrifices, doing the things that you know need to be done to ensure success. Some people won't just do are not prepared to take on a job that means they've got to get up at 3 a.m. in the morning or do all this travel. Anyway, enough. I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. It's the whole point of the podcast. Uh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, it's also, and we, we talk a lot about that between Tony, myself, Neil, around, yeah. you know, yeah. what, what is, you know, almost old school. I mean, obviously, we're a bit older, and, yeah. and then what we talk about is, you know, turning up on time, doing yeah. what you say you're going to do, you know, just coming through and things like that, which it, it, it seems obvious, but, yeah. you know, some of these new generation, it, 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 they just don't get it. And, right. you know, we talked in our business around hires and, successes and, and not so it's been quite refreshing working with you as well around just yeah. some of those things that we both share stories with, absolutely you know, people not ringing back and like what yeah. kind of common courtesy and just that seems to have gone out the window almost in it, some it does and Anil and I yeah, we've discussed this uh, regularly listen Anil made a great point in the car driving here today you know you talk about all your successes and the stuff you do by the living daylights there's been a few failures along the way yeah. uh, there's been a lot of mistakes made we mentioned before about you know a few indiscretions on a not indiscretions they were bad mistakes made on an aircraft to uh, but uh, you get a, you get a little bad from an airline uh, but that airline that airline's no longer in existence so I say that it, it's the, the slate's clean but no you make, you, make yeah, you make mistakes without a doubt but you, you learn from those mistakes and. You know, you make mistakes in cricket. You go out and play a shocking shot in the first over and you look at it on replay and say, what was I thinking? That's the problem. You weren't thinking. What was I thinking on that aircraft? No, I wasn't thinking. They're mistakes you make. Cop it right on the chin. That's what you have to do. Move on and learn. At the end of the day, if you have a look at your life, if the mistakes you make are a lot less than the successes you've had, You've you've had a really good life. Absolutely, that's, that's the yeah. way I look at it. Yeah. And people can judge you a lot. Will want to judge you by one or two mistakes. They're not worth considering. 
Right, people yeah. should judge you about the good things that you've done in your life. You're listening to the How Did We Get Here podcast, the story of virtual manager with Chairman Anil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham, CEO Tony Morocco, and host Charles Dagnall. Tony, Neil? Well, my question, so I wrote some notes and my, mine have really been answered. The one that was at the top of the list was on mindset because of test cricket being, yeah. you know, it's physically draining, but the, the mental side of that where, yeah. you know, you're as a batsman, you're out on the pitch, you've got a whole, you know, a whole team around you yeah. giving you a hard time and that mindset's yeah. really important. So I was going to ask about mindset and how that had helped you out in your business, but you kind of answered that. We've, we're, yeah. we're kind of done with that. So the only other question I've got down here which is very much cricket related and seasonal because the Ashes is coming up. Is who do you think is going to win? You're surrounded by three Englishmen, sort of thing, and an American who's kind of neutral. That's a good question. I've said this uh, to Anil in regard to the Ashes series. I really believed that England needed to have Stokes in the yeah. team here in Australia to have a good chance of winning. Obviously, only two-horse race. They've still got a chance of winning, but they were going to have to play a little bit better than they've played in recent months. Stokes in the side gives them two things. Gives them, arguably, the best all-rounder in the world at the moment playing on their team. Big bonus. Bowls well, bats well, can change a game in a session off his own bat, can change a game in a session with, with his bowling. Uh, he will get conditions this summer that will favour his little uh, swingers and nippers. But Joe Root, the captain, will be buoyed by the fact when he walks onto a cricket ground, behind him somewhere in the line is Ben Stokes. Uh, he's a wonderful cricketer. Australia, I think both sides are very brittle in the batting department. Yep. Anderson will be buoyed by the fact that Stokes is in the side. Anderson will trouble our guys. We are in for a wet summer, a humid summer. The ball will move. In particular now, I believe Adelaide, Stokes and, and Anderson will be a handful there. England have got a good chance. Obviously, I hope the Australians win. Their opening batsman, Warner, holds the key. Whilst he's been in terrible form, Warner, having a good series, will assist Australia dominate there. Smith has got a point to prove. Um, our bowlers are in very good form. They know how to bowl here. It's going to be a it's going to be a great series. I'm going to say Australia may win the series two one. Yeah. Um, it'll be that. It'll be very very close. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, it's going to be great. Looking at tickets for the Melbourne one, we've got I kind of got tickets for for Brisbane, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up there because of the the border being closed and everything. I think it opens just after it. I know, and look, there's nothing like being uh, at the MCG day one of the Boxing Day Test match. Mm. I'm not too sure whether we are going to be able to come to Melbourne even at that stage. Certainly. So that's that's a bit of a blow. Uh, the world is a bit mad at the moment, but let's hope we return to normality very soon. Yeah, I got one one question for you, Greg. But first, thanks for joining the podcast. It was a really cool story. Thanks. I'm learning cricket every podcast as these guys kind of talk about it. So uh, I'm learning. I'm learning. But I, I, I think that, you know, my question, too, to you is, you know, throughout all of your, you know, your career, when you're looking at cricket, I always relate cricket to me to baseball. Yeah. Right? Like oh, I, it, as an American, I kind of there's similarities that go back and forth. Yeah. So my question to you is, can those players 
switch sports and the good ones, do you feel that cricketers could be successful in baseball or vice versa, a baseball player coming and playing cricket? I know that there's some differences, but just thoughts on that. Yeah. Hey, Tony, that's a great question. One I've asked myself a lot of times. Tony, prior to uh, a change in the late 1960s here in Australia of a seasonal change. Baseball was always played in the winter time here in Australia. Many of our great cricketers played cricket for Australia and also played baseball for Australia. I talk mm. of uh, Norman O'Neill had one of the best arms you used to feel at third base, uh, shortstop. Ian Chappell was a wonderful catcher. For Australia, I played with guys like Bill Aubrey, who pitched for Queensland and, and Australia. So that's it at an Australian level. Having lived in the United States for uh, seven, eight years, I became a lover of the great game of baseball. I still watch it today. My wife and I, if she was playing in tournaments on the east coast of America, we would go to the baseball I've been to the new Yankee Stadium. I've been to the Cardinals uh, Stadium, Tampa Bay down there, that terrible Tropicana field. But the, <laughs> the, the Tampa Bay Rays were uh, was you know a half an hour drive from where I live, a place called Lakeland. The game of baseball, to me, uh, epitomizes what cricket is aspiring to be. T20 cricket is, in fact the right way for cricket to go. It offends a lot of the traditionalists, but it's all wrapped up and done in three and a half hours. It's crash bang wallop. It is a probably a better spectacle in terms of batting than baseball because you may see as many as 40 or 50 sixes in a game, which is the equivalent of hitting 40 or 50 homers. You know what I mean, uh, Tony? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the pitching... Uh, or the bowling is a lot easier to hit a homer off than those guys pitching at you at 100 mile an hour from mm. 20 metres. But, yeah, there have been those sports people who have been able to play both. These days, I'm not so sure whether there any Australian cricketers would be good enough to go and play in the major leagues in America. You know, I'm amazed at how much improvement in the game of baseball the skill level i think baseball is just you know the skill level goes up the switch hitting the blokes who can now right. pitch sort of both hands and the fielding i used to go and watch the detroit tigers spring training every year that which was in lakeland in my hometown you could buy a 20 dollar ticket go in and watch spring training they then they'd have three or four games at the end of that period just just to admire the skill level of the throwing, not so much the batting. I played a bit of baseball. You can if you can hit a ball, you can hit a ball. But the fielding, the arms on these guys, the, it's like bullets. Uh, yeah, I loved it. Has there ever been a crossover between baseball and cricket, or has, it, no, has that ever happened? No, I am told that baseball is a derivative of the game of cricket. It, it was based on the game of cricket back in the day. You know, cricket emerged traces of it back to the 1600s. 
Now, my all my mates in America used to say, "Ah, oh, that cricket. I try and watch it. I can't understand it. You know uh, <laughs> what is going on? You know, there's guys running and you, they hit it and they don't run. What is going on?" So, it, I used to I used to take a piece of paper out and I'd say, "Hey guys, you don't know how similar these games are," and I'd take a piece of paper out and show them that instead of the action happening right over near the boundary, you know, where the catcher's plate is or the home plate is and the pitcher. I said, that all happens out in the field. And as soon as you explain to them the fact that you don't have to run, but the guys run from the pitcher's mound to the home plate, and that counts as one run, but all the fielding rules are basically the same. You get caught out on the Mm -hmm. full, you know, what the Americans couldn't get used to is that there's a whole bunch of guys stand and catch foul balls, you know, <laughs> instead of it going into the net. We're standing there in the slips catch, and they're saying, yeah, no gloves, huh? So I took them to a couple of – there's a lot of Indian uh, community play cricket in Florida. So I used to take them down. They quite enjoyed it. So the games are very similar because the skills, the throwing, the catching, and the batting, obviously, are extremely similar. But I still say the skill level of the major league baseballers – is a cut above any other bat and ball sport. It's amazing. Yeah. It, it, it really is. It's yeah, great game. Interesting you say that, Greg, as well, because when Major League Baseball came over to the UK and, and played a couple of games in London, mm. the, the England cricketers, and I think what Greg says is absolutely right, the, 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 the advent of short-form cricket yeah. has actually brought the skills a lot mm-hmm. closer Absolutely. together. Absolutely. And Joss Butler, I think it was, Joss Butler and Alex Hales had a go because they're England's big hitters, yeah. if you like, the ones who would, you know, hit the ball out of the ground as much like a baseball player would do. And they had a go with the baseball. And yes, of course, like you say, you hit the, you, you can hit a ball, you can hit a ball. But if the skills, they just had a go for it for the afternoon. You'd like to think if they had two years mm-hmm. trying yeah. that actually they could do that. And similarly with a, an American baseball hitter, doing similar things but over in cricket. You're, you're absolutely 100% right. I mean, in another 30 years, I think we'll see very limited test cricket. It will all be based on T20 because, you know, they've got it right. The crowds are full when people want to go and see sixes hit and the whole thing's over in three hours. You can have a couple of beers that's the other th- big bonus here, Tone. Going to a game of cricket back when I was a kid was an all-day affair, and by 4 o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon, most people couldn't spell cat. Everyone was just, <laughs> you took your eskies into the ground. Um, you, you know, you'd go for the cricket, and then the 5 o'clock fight that would start on the hill amongst people that were, you know, inebriated, whereas now the children go to the cricket. It's all razzmatazz, the t twenty. That's the way the game's going. I just read this morning as I was up uh, early that another two sides have been, um, they have paid $1 billion. Two guys in India have paid $1 billion for the two franchises for two more IPL sides. And uh, the the commentary in the article that I read said, this is where cricket is now. It is massive money. There's a billion people in India is their major market. England and Australia are all watching this IPL. It's Mm. T20. It's baseball. Great. 
Mm. And interestingly, one of the people that was in for those two franchises for the IPL yeah. were the Glazer family, who owned the Tampa Bay yeah. Buccaneers, who owned Manchester United, and they got actually outbid uh, for wow. the IPL. Gentlemen, it's been a joyous hour. It mm. really has. Uh, and um, we're going to have to leave it there because one of us has to edit all of this. But <laughs> from that perspective, Greg... All I can say is thank you so much oh, thanks for, having me. for telling your stories yeah. and, and for coming on and getting up so early. It's no been worries. so informative. It's been so fun. No, thank uh, you. And, uh, and just really grateful to be, to be part of the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, having met Neil briefly before, and Neil's been so kind to me uh, in, in assisting me in my businesses. Been great. United States, Tony, I don't say it lightly. Um, I love the United States. My wife is still a, a citizen of the United States. Had we have had a change of prime minister last election, we were really considering uh, going back. Coming back. Yeah, I love it, mate. I come back every year. I do. Well, look me up if you're coming over. We'll play some golf. I'd love to do that, mate. Anytime I could go back to the United States, I go. I love the people. I was... Um, made feel very welcome over there great to talk great to meet you tony thanks Doug. Yeah, thank, great to thank, meet you. thanks for having me guys that's been a great. lot of fun really Cheers. appreciate it thank you. Oh, thanks, thanks for Cheers. the how did we get here podcast with anil patel neil fillingham and tony morocco was hosted by charles dagnall this podcast is property of Virtual Manager, produced and edited by Daggers Media Limited.